It is time for Around the 412 with Smitty and Tyler. Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. I am Tyler. With me, as always, is my co-host, Smitty. Be sure to go follow us on all of our social medias at Around the 412. And while you're at it, go subscribe to our YouTube and leave a like, leave a comment, hit that notification bell. That way you never miss a new episode. Also, go check out some of the links that we have in the description on the listening platforms as well as in the YouTube. We are promoting our year six of Rocking Around the 412, our Christmas fundraiser. Over the first five years, we'll be able to raise over $25,000 with the help of all you that donate and give Christmas back to some of the kids in our local 724 and 412 area codes because Smitty and I never really had to worry where Christmas was coming from that time of year. So we want to be able to give back and help out some families in need that time of year. We also are partnered up with the East Rochester Salvation Army and adopt kids off of their angel tree and provide Christmas for those children as well. So go check out the link in there. You can read about all about the mission that's in the link in the description. Yep. Do all that good stuff. Also, everything custom designs, our friend Haley Wagner's uh, shirts and just some other custom stuff. Still waiting on those hats. I'm going to keep bringing it up until she's able to do them, I think. So um, just keep harping on that. Um, this is the Steelers show. As you guys have seen the last couple of weeks, we've been breaking them up, segmenting the shows uh, and putting them out as three separate podcasts throughout the week. So uh, this is the Steelers show. We'll get right into it. First things first, I don't know if you guys noticed the little, very small print under my name, which is uh, like, oh, everything's backwards on here. <laughs> um, right under my name, it says inside. I didn't even notice um, that. I'll be honest. I did not notice that the entire, the entire yeah, time we were in here. with the people that are watching it. So yeah, uh, yeah, real, real funny, real short. We'll talk about this is obviously part of the Steelers to talk about anyway. Kendrick Green getting traded to the Texans. Uh, I was the first one by about 20 minutes to put it out there that he was traded to the Texans. And, uh, you know, people say, you know, don't tell, don't break your sources. Don't p- tell people who your sources are. It, it, it's just funny because it's literally like I happen to see, you know, how likes will show up as like retweets now on Twitter. Yeah. I happened to see that his dad liked the post from somebody that said about Kendrick going to the Texans and adding Adam Schefter and said, like, where are you? And I was like, is he getting? And then that same person said, can't wait to see my boy. And it, so it must be like a hometown, like someone Kendrick's friends or somebody from right. that hometown. Because he was like, can't wait to see my boy get a fresh start with CJ Stroud. And I was like, all right, like something's something's up. Here. And why would his dad be liking these tweets if they weren't right? true? Yeah, absolutely. So. So I sent his dad a message. I had met him um, back uh, the Monday night football game when the Steelers played the Bears back in 2021. We follow each other on Twitter and everything. So I messaged him about it, and he was like, yeah, Kendrick got traded to the Texans. I see it's not been put out there yet. So I was like, all right, well, I mean, I got everybody beat here by about 20 minutes, it looks like. So I put it out there, and then, yeah, Tom Pellicero was the next one. I think it was 18 minutes or something like that later put out there about it and i was just like man this is because people were like there's no way stop the cap and uh yeah i was just waiting for somebody to actually put it out there so it was really funny that it was all because i just happened to see a, a like and then went and saw another tweet basically saying the same thing but yeah kendrick green goes to the houston texans for a sixth round pick in 2025 um i'll be honest i when i saw that he was getting moved i assumed it would be like a late round pick swap or something like that i think to straight up just get a sixth round pick from them Obviously, you're talking about a third round pick two years ago that you're already moving 
for a sixth round pick in 2025. When you look at it like that, it's obviously not great. When you look at it as what Kendrick Green has provided the Steelers since being drafted to get this compensation for him, it sounds about right, if not doing better than I thought they were going to in this. Um, like I said, I kind of figured like a late round pick swap was probably the best that they could do here, uh, if not just straight up cutting him. And I honestly didn't think they would do that. I thought it would be either trade or he'd be on the 53. So uh, nothing against him personally. It obviously didn't work out. And I was talking with Alan about this. I feel like the team failed him more than he failed the Steelers. And what I mean by that is you drafted a guy that played four games at center in the third round and basically handed him the keys and said, you're our starting center, made him switch positions, really tough environment and situation to come into for him. Obviously not his natural spot. Things didn't work out. And I don't know that they would have worked out at guard either. But man, I, I think it was just a fresh start needed for both sides. So, you know, I wish him the best in Houston. Like I said, never, never a personal thing, but um, clearly it wasn't going to work out here. He was set up to fail. It felt like from the day he was drafted. I mean, I remember back to whenever he was drafted and in that draft class, there were like three or four guys that we felt pretty good about the Steelers drafting a center for. And one of them, not or none of them, were named Kendrick Green. And so the, whenever it was Kendrick Green that was selected, we were shocked, first off, because like, where did this this guy come from? Um, we, yeah. There was no association with him whatsoever. And I, I just feel like from that standpoint, like you had mentioned, center was not his natural position in, in, in college. He was a guard. And people started to draft him as a center, or put him in the draft class as a center, and it was just set up to fail right away. There was never a lot of hope, um, really, from I feel like most people when it comes to Kendrick Green being this long-term starting center option for the Steelers. I know definitely from us, we never really felt that he was ever going to be the the long-term option at center. We we thought if he was going to be on the team, probably best suited as a, a guard, but they never really figured that out either. Um, and so as, as much as trading a former third-round pick um, for a six-round pick – shouldn't feel like a win it does feel like a win in the sense of just getting rid of that player off of your 53-man roster again nothing against him it's 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 nothing like he could have it really controlled outside of well I guess just playing better but this the situation was was a tough one to, for him to be thrown into and so as much as it is a awkward situation where you 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 are getting rid of that former third round pick just two years after he had been drafted in a way, getting a six-round pick for him just straight up feels like a win, even though it shouldn't. Yeah, you know, it's tough because even his – he's also undergone an offensive line coaching change. You wonder, like, had he had a guy like Pat Meyer his rookie year, could things have been different for him? Like, I mean, that those things do matter. Like, you start to – you start to get to the point where you're almost making excuses for the player, right? Like obviously things were in his control and it could have gone better from his side too, but there's so many things that were also working against him and just not being put in the right situation where, you know, I, I think that there is kind of a, a built in excuse to be made there with the way that the Steelers handled it. And that whole, you know, like the last couple years, man, of, of Kevin Colbert's tenure, pretty questionable. And I think that that 2021 draft class, uh, certainly when you look at some of those, even if they're good players, right? Like, you know, we can have the debate all day about taking Najee Harris in the first round. And I think with the state of the offensive line, that was 
you know, more our point than anything else with taking a running back in the first round is why are you taking a running back in the first round if you don't have the offensive line in front of him to support it to begin with? Right. Um, Pat Fryermuth, who we both loved, but man, Creed Humphrey, we're talking about these centers, right? You know, there was only yeah. a few in that draft class. Creed Humphrey, Landon Dickerson, who's not even, I don't know if he's going to play center when Jason Kelsey moves on, but so far hasn't played center for the Eagles. Josh Myers, things haven't worked out in Green Bay. And Quinn Miners is another one of those, like, same thing as Kendrick Green, where he wasn't a natural center and was playing guard. So, so really, you look at that center class, it might just be Creed Humphrey that came out of it. And that's like, man, what a gap there. Like, you're talking about a top three center in football maybe top one uh, compared to guys that might not even be centers the rest well, of the and, way down. And so. Thinking back to that draft class, we were thinking it's, it's not out of the question to say Creed Humphrey would have been a first round pick. It's just that he was a yeah. center. So that that's the thing that was questionable oh, yeah, he was for a lot of people. 32 best players. Yeah. But, but he was definitely like in contention to be in the, that first round player. And I also want to bring up, I, on April 28th, 2023, which I don't know which day of the draft that was. Maybe the second day. Um, that would have been day I just, one. I, I, oh, okay. I tweeted, was Kevin Colbert the problem? My column. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that there is a little bit of smoke to that, that, that the latter years of Kevin Colbert's tenure in Pittsburgh weren't great, especially from a draft standpoint. Um, I feel like the past several drafts, I think there was questionable picks. Um and then just some that wanna, just flat out didn't work. I want to say, too, because I don't want to put everything on Colbert. There's obviously a team of people around this. I wonder how much is also Andy Weidel coming in, right? Because, like, he wasn't there with Kevin Colbert. So, yeah, and Omar Khan also know. openly just said that Andy Weidel created the draft board. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, you know, that, that kind of makes me think, like, you know, Kevin Colbert didn't have that type of guy underneath him as well. Um, that Andy Weidel's been for Omar Khan, which has obviously been a great deal. I don't know if you saw that thing just real quick, not that this was like on our topic list, but did you see that thing like that was put out like an agent's poll about the GMs in the NFL? Mm-mm, Omar Khan is the most liked GM by NFL agents. Like, I agree. Very, very highly. <laughs> very, <laughs> but it's not even for like the reasons that we have, you know, already so quickly grown to love him. He's just super honest. And like, that's, that's what they, they love about him. Just the way that he speaks. And if he says something, that's the way it's going to be for better or worse. He's a very honest and open person. And then it also in there, it mentioned pretty much unanimously across the board. They feel like Andy Weidel is going to be a future GM like sooner rather than later. And that's why I mentioned, I don't know, maybe months ago at this point, we got to really uh, like savor our time here with Andy Weidel. Cause I don't think it's going to be long. Probably not. And if you look at, what we expect some of these guys to have success in with, with the draft class and the free agency that what the Steelers have just had. I mean, you, you look at the 53-man roster, it's a lot of those guys that were brought in. You expect a lot of those players to have an impact in 2023. So if you look at that and then knowing the knowledge the roster, that... The 53-man roster, which is crazy. Yeah, and you, if you know that with the knowledge that not just us have, like we have, but everyone else has where... Andy Weidel is the main part of getting this this roster construction together. Um, the, the, uh, teams are going to take notice of that, and they're going to notice that the team you're building. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's out of the question to say if the, the Steelers and specifically the players that they had brought in this, this offseason, whether it's the draft or free agency, if they're performing well and up to the expectations or, or, or even exceeding expectations, um, I, I think that Andy Weidel could be gone as soon as next offseason. 
Yeah, I would agree. And the Omar Khan stuff is really nice to hear because that's great for, you know, free agent negotiating or like when there's a player that's looking to be traded and the agent has like, because you see that a lot of times, especially like with the players taking more control of their careers, even when they're currently under contract, players will often be given the opportunity to talk to teams and stuff. If you have a team or I'm sorry, a player in their agent that already love, you know, Omar Khan so much and he has this type of trust from them it's going to bode well for them in those types of deals too. So, I mean, seeing him at the very top of that list, uh, awesome. That's all I can say about it for Steelers fans. Uh, another trade going down, Kevin Dotson going to the Rams, just continuing to deal from that interior depth that they had. Um, so it's Kevin Dotson, a 2024 fifth and a 2025 sixth for the Rams, 2024 fourth and 2025 fifth. So two pick swaps here, but, the reason that I like this so much is I'm looking at the Rams roster. I don't know if you've looked at the Rams roster. They obviously have some like high end talent, right? Cooper cup, Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. We'll see what Matthew Stafford comes back. Like I think Cam Akers is a pretty good running back. There's, there's some players um, on that roster that are pretty decent, but overall that roster to me is a bottom five roster in football. That fourth round pick could be, you know, pretty much like a comp third, essentially when you really look at it. So I looked at this deal too, and I'm like, I don't know how they got, you know, what they got here just because Kevin Dodson was the fourth guard on this roster, albeit a guy with, you know, a ton of starts under his belt. I'm not saying he's, I think he is a startable NFL guard, and I think he's going to be for the Rams. Maybe he fits that scheme a little bit better, but very clearly a guy that wasn't in the Steelers' plans and was on the outside looking in. So I think to get potentially a very high fourth round pick out of this, and then obviously a fifth the following year, and I know you had to give up picks in the process, but hopefully, a later fifth and a later sixth for a higher fourth and a higher fifth. I think they got pretty decent value on this one as well. I do too. And I I think that when I look at it, I I look at honestly, both these trades as I'm taking out where these guys were drafted out of it. And I'm just basically looking at moving this asset off of the roster. So if I look at it from that standpoint and not a third and fourth round draft pick, I'm looking at, you were able to get this guy off the roster, which clearly did not have a, a spot that made sense for him anymore. And then you were also able to move up to like move up around in each of those picks. And like you were saying, the Rams, assuming that they could be a pretty bad team, those are going to be some, some pretty good value picks as well. I, I think it was a great move. Um, we, we had talked, not, not even just the, the, this past summer, but like even in going into last season, like where does Kevin Dotson fits on this team? Is it, is it make sense to move him? And especially around the, the draft, there was a lot of smoke about he could be moved that weekend. It didn't end up happening. Happens right before the season's about to start. And I, I think that they got great value on this. And and that's how I'm going to look at it. I'm not, I'm not looking at the where those guys were drafted. And I'm just going to basically forget that. You look at what they are now. Because honestly, who cares where they were drafted? That that that's say it all the time. It, yeah. it, it is what it is. Once they get to the league, it matters what type of player they are. And if they're not the type of player that you're going to keep on your roster, then that's all that matters. And from that standpoint, I think that the the Steelers got some really needed draft capital, some valuable draft capital that they'll be able to use, and they improve their roster. Honestly, so I think it was smart moves by Omar Khan this past week, um, and it improved the roster. Yeah, the question for me is just do they hold on to these things now or were they getting this extra capital to be able to look at, you know, they obviously talked about the Kendrick Green stuff. They still need a backup center, I think, going into the season. And I think still could look at some of the nickel options as well, just because 
you look at like a Desmond King who was released by Houston. I'm not a huge fan of the idea of Bradley Groby. I think he's a bigger name than he has player at this point. He's been declining for like three straight seasons. Now I think he's a better option than what we currently have on the roster. So I would take it. I'm just not super excited about that idea, but there's a lot of veteran DBs that were released today. There was, there's going to be more players that I think become available even in like trades potentially like the Steelers are currently holding on to two punters right now. They kept Harvin and Braden man, both on the roster, probably trying to work on something with Braden man. He's obviously not going to actually be on the 53 man roster when the season yeah. opens up. Um, so I, I'm looking at it. Like, how are they going to use this capital it, right now? It's wait and see. I think we'll have a clearer picture tomorrow when these guys clear waivers that have to. So I'll be interested to see then. Yeah. Like I think tomorrow we're going to get an answer on, on the Braden man stuff and where we're going with this roster, but let's talk about the cuts then that happens. So the trades are part of the equation. It gets to 53. Obviously some cuts had to take place. I would say for me, Zach Gentry, Braden Fajoko and, uh, Trey Norwood were really like the three that stood out to me the most. Tanner Muse, I would say, probably in that category as well, because I think to see him and Nick Kwiatkowski both not make the roster, a little bit surprised. Um, but keeping six wide receivers, we talked about that. We didn't know that that would be the case. And also going with as many defensive backs as they did, like keeping Elijah Riley and Shannon Sullivan, who kind of do the same type of thing. Like neither one necessarily yeah. great in pass coverage, but are both pretty good run defenders from that spot. Uh, this is what gets us to this point. Zach Drenchery, I think is the one that's, and maybe not even so much for like his play. Although I do think he has drastically improved since he came into this league. I think he's a solid NFL backup tight end, but great personality to have in the room too. I mean, you see it like Pat Frymuth, super bummed about him leaving. Um, I think he'll catch on somewhere else for sure. Like I said, I think he is a backup NFL tight end somewhere. I think they also got rid of Rodney Williams right now. And that was the question is how many tight ends are they to keep? Rodney Williams had a really good camp in preseason. I think he comes back on the practice squad. I think Gentry finds work somewhere else. Yeah. The, the Gentry one was, that was a curious cut to me. I didn't expect that one necessarily. I honestly thought that they would carry four tight ends. If you want to count Connor Hayward as a tight end. Yeah, I know, see, I don't. I know, like, I know yeah, they, it's, like well, it's funny. I looked at their 53-man <laughs> roster, and they just put fullback slash tight end, because so they don't even mm. know what he is. Um, but I, I thought they would carry all four of those guys, in, including Fryermuth and Washington. So I was a little bit surprised to see that he was cut. Um, but I agree with you. I think that he will stick somewhere. I think he has improved since he's been in the league. And just I think that that size and the frame, another team's going to look at that and, and see an asset there. Um, so if it's not going to be the Steelers, I, I'm, I'm sure that he can find a different job. Um, I was curious when I looked and I saw that they were only carrying four inside linebackers. Um, mm -hmm. Not that it, not that that's like out of the question, like, but they only are carrying four of each um of uh, and outside and inside and linebackers outside linebackers i understand it more and i thought that was more expected but i thought especially mm -hmm. since of your inside linebacker room outside of mark robinson is all new guys to the team they would have carried yeah. at least five but they're only carrying four which which is interesting to me you're only running too deep at each of those positions um and then yeah like like you mentioned with uh, elijah riley and chandon sullivan they're basically the same player and they were competing in camp for the same position. So what are we saying here with well, the, that they're both making the 50, 53 man roster? Like is one, the starting nickel, one's the backup nickel and no other corner is going inside. Is, is that how they're going to approach it? Mm. Or, or is one, does okay. one value is, is one more valuable on special teams. So they still carried both. Um, yeah. 
I think that's I think Riley is is a special teams asset for them as well. And I also think he can do some safety stuff. So like I'm not necessarily saying like I would have kept both. I'm just I didn't know that the Steelers would for sure do that. Now, if I was doing a 53 man roster projection, I would have kept both because I think the Steelers uh, would have leaned towards that way. But I also would have had Zach Gentry on it. The one that like sticks out to me and good for him, man, is Dylan Cook making it as the fourth tackle um, one year as a tackle at Montana. And here he is a converted quarterback. So great story. I would say he's kind of like this year's Jalen Warren. Um, no one knew yeah. like going into camp ends up making the 53 man roster. So great for him. Obviously jumped LaRaven Clark there um, and then just held firm on that spot as the second team offensive tackle and that backup on that right side. Um, but yeah, like Trey Norwood not making, I didn't have him on the roster, but he is a notable guy just because seventh round pick a couple years ago and he's, you know, played a decent amount of he's football. He's had some playing time. So, yeah. So I would say he's relatively notable too. Um, well, let's just say it. Right. He, he, he flaked on coming on the show. So that's why he got cut. Okay. <laughs> he, whenever he got drafted, he flaked on us from coming on the show. So now you're cut. It is what it yeah. is. No hard feelings. I mean, I would say it probably has more to do with being able to practice less than five times, but I mean, they're probably both. I, I, I think it's why. a valid reasoning. <laughs> um, if Fahoko was the other one that I, that I thought was relatively notable. And I think he's just a product of how good that defensive line room was. I mean, such a good group. We've talked about it. Somebody that's a good NFL player is going to get cut from that room. I think he was probably like thinking back on it. It makes sense when you look at the, what those guys bring to the table, probably the most redundancy there. I mean, he's strictly a run stuffer. Like he's not providing mm -hmm. any pass rush juice, not a very good athlete. He's just going to kind of sit down in the middle and take on those double teams. And and that's great. You know, there's definitely a place for that in the NFL. Keeps those linebackers clean, lets them run freely. Certainly could have used that in the past. Um, but when you have Monty Adams as the number one, and when you just drafted Keanu Benton, and you're not even using Keanu Benton out to like three tech yet, and he's pretty much playing inside like that role. Um, it made sense for Fahoko to be on the outside looking in here. I would love to see him back on the practice squad, but again, I think he is also going to get another NFL opportunity somewhere else where he can make a 53-man roster. But uh, yeah, I, I think that you know we're talking about two or three guys that the Steelers cut today that are going to find 53-man roster jobs somewhere else, uh, assuming assuming they want them. And, and the thing is, talking with Allen today too, people make it seem like for sure the door is closed on these guys. Practice squad going from 12 to 16 and also the pay increase has been huge for being able to re retain guys on the practice squad. You know, everybody that was cut today essentially could be back on the practice squad. That's how many spots they have. Will mm -hmm. that be the case? Probably not, because, again, if they have an opportunity for a 53-man spot somewhere else, they'll probably take that. But it certainly doesn't close the door. Like, it's very possible a lot of these guys cut today will make up the Steelers practice squad. Well, you know who's going to be back is Cody White, <laughs> practice squad all-star, baby. I, Alan and I were just he's talking gonna about be back. It. He's going to be back. He has to be. And yeah. that's I mean, a, I'll, I'll say that's another position that I was curious to see how they were going to handle it. I know we have, were talking about, like, are they going to carry five or are they going to carry six? They end up carrying six and keeping both Boykin and Oshevsky. So... What do you make of that? Like, do you think that that was the right move? Does that surprise you at all? I I, I know we had a lot of conversation about the wide receivers because it was it seemed like the the four were solidified. We were wondering who that fifth was going to be, but they end up keeping all six. Yeah, um, I I wouldn't have. 
Um, I'll start by saying that. It doesn't surprise me that they did, but I wouldn't have. I think when you look at Gunner and Miles Boykin, those are obviously the two, you know, that we were talking about, and they decide to keep both. Obviously very different. You know, Gunner is going to, if he sees reps on the offense, play in the slot, be a backup return guy, like a an option there if things go south with Calvin Austin or if he gets injured. Um, that's kind of it though to me. I mean, maybe every now and then he'll get, you know, a jet sweep end around type deal touch manufactured for him. Miles Boykin, they really like him for his special teams, one of the better special teams players uh on the roster, I would say. But man, I mean, as a receiver, like I know he can play on the outside, like obviously has the frame for it. And for years, like it was all about trying to tap into that, whether that was in Baltimore or here now just hasn't happened. I mean, what did he have like two targets all preseason? So I I don't know that I'm necessarily expecting him to do anything as a receiver, but um, I think in terms of what they bring to the roster, very different. They just felt like they had to have both bodies. It wouldn't surprise me though, if one of those guys is actually inactive on game days anyway. So they may have made the 53, but they might not be on the active 46 come game day. Well, yeah. And I, I have a hard time envisioning unless, you know, knock on wood injuries do happen. It's football. I have a hard time seeing anybody outside of the top four receivers getting on the field. Um, like even even no matter who was that number five, whether it would have been Boykin or Oshevsky or whoever the Steelers view in the depth chart as their number five receiver, I just have a hard time envisioning them getting on the field with how many receiving targets they already have, including the tight ends too. Um, there, there's running there's backs. Too, I mean, if you put there's two too many targets to go around for all yeah. these guys to get on the field, so. I personally, and with you, I would not have kept a fifth receiver, but you know, I'm sure the Steelers have a plan for these guys. I would have kept Zach Gentry over Miles Boykin, I think. Like, if you're looking at it from yeah. the perspective of who's even going to play more snaps, like, I, I get there clearly, too. I think a big winner from this is Darnell Washington. They're ready to roll in him to games and have him play you know 40 to 50 percent of the snaps in 12 personnel and actually be in line blocking um so i think he's a big winner of, of them moving on from gent did i say trade i don't know if i said trade but gentry moving on being cut um i think he's a big winner but again with gentry i would have kept him over miles boykin i just think that he is again like a nice option to have in the tight end room and he wouldn't even have to be active on game days you know what i mean like he could just be on the 53-man roster so that if an injury does happen to washington or Fryermuth, you know i i wouldn't say hayward because he's not going to fill that role obviously <laughs> but if, if one of those top two options at tight end you have zach gentry there to give a helmet if one of the, if one of those two go down well and even if he was active on game days and you did have all three of those guys active uh, i wouldn't have minded seeing the 12 personnel with Washington and Gentry out there and just leaving Pat Fryermuth to the passing situations. I thought uh, you were about to say, I thought you were about to say like, see some like 23 or something like 23 then, personnel, all three no. of those guys up front. I mean, that would be, that would be Hayward, sick. Connor Hayward at, in the backfield along with Najee. Like, yeah, no, in that case we would have kept Kendrick green and put him in the backfield. <laughs> But no, I I I think that Gentry's the better blocker than than Frymuth. There's no secret about that. So if in 12 personnel, I wouldn't have minded seeing that. But obviously, Gentry's not here, so that's just blowing smoke. Yeah, and again, you know, maybe they do circle back on that one. Was there anybody else that you thought you know kind of stood out one way or another? I I feel like I mean you covered them them carrying Braden Mann as well. Um, and yeah. obviously come on come September 10th. 
he's not going to be on the roster still. I I don't think that there's any reason. I to, would say to really. <laughs> I would I would be that. willing to say come August thirtieth, but so to, the day this episode comes out, essentially like tomorrow. Yeah, because I I think we're going to see what happens with stuff on waivers. I think, you know, like a team like Philly currently without a punter on the roster after they got rid of the only one there heavily connected to Braid Man. They put a waiver claim in on the past. I think there's potentially a trade already done, but they might be waiting to see what happens with like Corliss Waitman, who was released um, by New England um, and the Bengals cut Drew Christman, too. So also, Alan brought this up. Both guys that were also with the Steelers at one point. Like the Steelers definitely have an eye for NFL punters. You look around the league, there's like a lot of guys that have at some point, and normally the Steelers are their first team. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> what's I, I I guess I wonder what what's why don't they stick around with the Steelers? But you know, mm-hmm. I mean, hey, if it's for the if, if it keeps being the reason that we end up like getting two good punters on the roster and then flipping one for a day three pick when rosters trim down. I'll so take that it. every single year. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I you would know, say I, if there's a better off if there's a better offer for Presley than Braden Man, I would trade Presley and keep Braden Man. Like I don't even care which one they keep. I don't think there's like if you can get a tool. if you can get a six for or a se- instead of a seventh. Yeah. Or you, you can get a a, a six or a seventh from a worse team. <laughs> that's gonna mm-hmm. be a higher up seventh. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I I it's a punter's a punter. I mean you have good punters and you have punters that perform for poorly, but at the end of the day, a punter's a punter. So if, if one's going to be traded for a better package than the other, then so be it. But no, the roster looking at the rest of it, everything's pretty much status quo, what we could have expected. Um, it's just to, for me, like the, those guys we individually named and the really curious one for me was only carrying four inside linebackers. Yeah, especially when one of those four is so new to the position and clearly they really don't like want to play much this year is Mark Robinson. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they have plans for him. I think they're excited about him. I just don't think they want to like break out their new toy yet. It's almost like I keep talking about this with Alan. It's like a car that you're working on and you're really excited about the end product. You know what the end product's going to be. It's going to be really good, but you're like very early in the process of restoring this thing. Yeah, and you know, I I feel like there's a chance that some of these, and we you just mentioned it, like all these guys could technically be on the practice squad. So maybe you do carry. Your, I do carry think either Muse or Quitkowski comes back on the practice squad. One of the like, two. yeah, you're gonna have people on the practice squad just in case injuries do happen. Because I don't think that it would be really smart to just carry the four. And really, if you're looking at it from you don't want Mark Robinson to play that much, you're carrying three linebackers that you expect to play the majority of the snaps. I don't really think that would be a a wise decision to expect the entire season to go off of. Also a uh, little sad personal for Chris Wilcox, former BYU defensive back. Got cut, oh, but that was expected. Back. Yeah. But that was expected. Yeah. But he, um, was he just today though? Like he made it to like, he might be a practice squad guy. If he made it to today. Yeah, he, he, he was, he was today. Yeah. Yeah. Former, former BYU corner, Chris Wilcox. Yeah. I would say anybody that was cut today, is probably like who they would like to have back on the practice squad. Now, some of those guys could choose opportunity opportunities elsewhere, and then you got to circle back and look at other guys. Like I think Kenny Robinson was cut prior to today, but that's a guy that they would probably like to have back. Um, Tanner Muse was cut before today, but that's another guy I think they would like to have back. I, I don't know that that one's very feasible just because he's pretty well-regarded special teams player around the league. I think another team will probably look for him uh, to be in that role. 
but uh but yeah i mean anybody that was cut today that's ideally who their practice squad is i would think yeah and you can watch them play next spring in the xfl and the usfl so (laughs) great which has been great for those guys. i mean look how many guys are at least getting to camp with these teams they get more opportunities uh, yeah yeah and they don't have to like have a gap in between playing football like they're just getting right back into it and playing in the spring and then having the opportunity to to hopefully get into uh, camp with these teams so um but yeah, I think that's pretty much everything in terms of Steelers stuff, unless you got anything else. Um, Nothing off the top of my head. We are less than two weeks away from kickoff. That's the only thing in my mind. Yeah, so next week when we record it, will just be a few days before um, Lions and Chiefs kick off the season. Still feels so weird to say. I, I think the Lions are deserving of it. I think there's a ton of hype surrounding that team right now, the way they ended last season. They were kind of like the NFC version of the Steelers last year, the way they ended the season with a ton of hype. Missed the playoffs by one game. Um, I think they're going in the right direction. And I look at the NFC in that division. I I mean, this sounds ridiculous to say about the Lions. I'll be surprised if they don't make the playoffs in 2023. Who's the favorite in that division? That's how we can close out. Who's the it's, favorite it's, in the NFC North? It's them. Like betting wise, it's them. But throw out the throw out the sports books. In your mind, who's the favorite? Is it still them? I think I think it should be them. Yeah, I mean, okay. the only other team that you would look at, I guess, is Minnesota. Like, uh, there's obviously the questions about Love has looked really good. He's probably been like the NFC version of Kenny Pickett in the preseason. But there's obviously a ton of questions there. The Bears are not close yet. I mean, I I like some of the stuff that they're doing. I think they're going in the right direction. Obviously, they had the benefit of being able to trade that number one pick for a haul. Getting DJ Moore was ridiculous on top of that deal. Um, I like the direction they're going in. But yeah, I mean, Minnesota would be the only other one. And I'm I'm not like I think Brian Flores is going to do some good things with that defense. The personnel is just not there for him to work with. I think the offense will be able to put up some points. But man, I I'm not seeing it. I, I think it's Detroit's division by like two games. Yeah, and I and I liked uh, I like Detroit's draft overall outside of their first pick. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting to see how they use him because I think they can justify it if he ends up being also like their slot receiver because that's what they're talking about. So yeah. if he's also getting a bunch of snaps as a receiver. Well, I hope so I mean, because I mean, I have him in a dynasty league. So, <laughs> yeah. No, I think he's going to be really good for fantasy. Um, but like Jack but, Campbell, Sam Laporta, um and then Brian Branch. He he fell to him as well. Hendon, I I, I like Hooker. Yeah, I mean, I'm really looking at the the first 3 after yeah. Jameer Gibbs. I I like their draft, especially early on a lot um after him, so. Camp Sutton for agency. Yeah. Still, that one still stings. Also, one that I forget was just this offseason. Like <laughs> when, yeah. whenever you think about how long ago that was, I mean, we're we're almost a football how season much, now. How much better would you feel about the Steelers if just if just like nothing else was different? Cam Sutton was on the team. I would feel way better about the secondary because then I would have no worry about what the slot's going to look like. When they get yeah. into nickel, I know who's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Now we have the question of who is playing. I mean, I mean, we're going, we're still going in. Like, obviously, we have the guys on the roster that we expect to be playing there, but we still have no idea what it will actually look like in game, game situations that actually matter. Of who's going to be there and how are they going to perform in the slot? If Cam Sutton's here, 
I have almost no questions about the secondary period. Right. Yeah. Same. I asked that the, I think it was Sarge uh, this past weekend, how he felt about that. And yeah, I, I just totally different feel to the secondary of Cam Sutton still on this roster, but that's neither here nor there. He's gone. Wish him the best in Detroit. Awesome dude. One of my favorite players when he was here and just hope things go well for him there. And I'm glad he's going to a team that's on the rise now too. Like it's not like the same old lions teams of the past. So hopefully he's a big part of that. Um, but this is the Lions podcast. This is a Steelers podcast. Um, and I think that's it. So thanks for watching or listening to this episode of the Around the 412 Steelers show. Again, we are breaking things up in three separate portions. So this is the Steelers show. We will be back with the Penguins the following day, the Pirates the following day. Of course, that could not be the case depending on when you're watching or listening to this. But at least as of the time of recording, that's the case. Um Check out the links in the description. Year six of Rock Around the 412 has been kicked off. Going strong. Get involved with it. Help provide Christmas to families in need uh, in the 724 and 412 areas, as well as our recent partnership with the East Rochester Salvation Army to provide Christmas for the kids off their angel tree. So we do both those things with those funds. So get involved. Donate. Have a chance to win some prizes uh, for doing so. Those prizes, I haven't gotten a single one yet i mean it's not even september yet but i'm just putting it out there right now that there will be prizes involved for those who donate so get involved with that check out haley's uh everything customs designs that's in the description as well and uh we'll be back with another episode but until then for tyler for smitty this has been around the 412 and we'll talk to you later Bye bye